A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... It is Andy. This is David. And I'm Logan. This week, we are talking about exposition... I mean, enemies. (laughs) Which is episode 17 of season 3. Exposition (laughs) <laughs> and was written by Doug Petrie and directed by David Grossman and originally aired March 16th, 1999. So we start out with Buffy and Angel coming out of a porn question mark? Is this supposed to be nine and a half weeks? It's an artistic movie. I think it, it was the cook, the thief, the wife, and her lover. Well, the it, Peter Greenaway film. It was, it was no, it was not. No, because it was a different movie. language, right? Yeah, it was. It it, was it's it, in French. Well, I, 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 I'm going to call out Buffy Wikia page on this, because they suggest that it's likely a reference to Moliere's <laughs> piece in English, Moliere's piece. The only problem is there is no film of that. It's a play, yeah. and it wasn't written and published until 2011. <laughs> So wow. I'm guessing they are wrong. Yeah. And, and yeah. If, if anything, it's it's probably and because they indicate that there is, they kind of indicate there is one scene with food. I'm guessing it's nine and a half weeks. Nine and a half. Weeks. Yeah, All that's right. kind of where I was going. It was you know kind of like this artistic, slightly yeah. porny type thing where it just or got. Maybe, or maybe Had... these really old, and they're referring to the last tango in Paris. Had the Fabulous Destiny, uh, uh, Amelie, had that come out yet? No. I'm no, 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 it was 2000. And that right? movie is so sweet and non-porny. No, no, Amelie is lovely. It's, uh, no, this is... Totally I always nice. took their little, like, scooter ride through Paris as, like, a like yeah. a metaphor for orgasm, but that's just... Okay, in a, in a little one-movie theater town like Sunnydale, this is what's playing? <laughs> uh, it depends on who owns the movie theater, if they're, like, super artsy. Like, maybe... I mean, sure, yeah. Yeah, because being in a town that's a lot like Sunnydale and having a very small movie theater, sometimes they get, like, first-run movies, but it can actually be very hard for them to keep Mm first-run movies because of the contracts. Right. So they're just playing movies 13 years after they are released. If it is actually nine and a half weeks. Or or it's a festival of porny French films. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, it could just be that the theater is... Super artsy fartsy. I mean, I think this is the only time anybody from the Scoops ever actually go there. So. Yeah, that could be the artsy fartsy theater, and their like regular one is at the mall. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there there are possible explanations, but it was just like really mm. weird. <laughs> but the main point of the scene is that Angel and Buffy are both super horny. Okay, yeah. great, great. <laughs> yeah, yummy coke. But. But I will say that Angel is like, it's okay. For once, Angel, like, says a good thing. And he's like, I can control. Because like, why shouldn't men be able to control themselves if sex is off the table? Well, he's than Angel at this point, <laughs> oh, yeah. actually. Oh, yeah. One thing that kind of, 
kind of bothered me. It's not really a a, a problem for, at this point, but like the angel will get to know on angel doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that doesn't go to movies. And he says, I haven't been to movies in a long time. That just seems weird to me. Well, I think Angel hasn't really done anything of note since the... I mean, like, what's a long time? I mean, he was still doing stuff up until the 70s, and then he kind of became the, you know, the alley dweller. So, right, that's 20 years. That's a while. But the 70s, I would would think he would have seen less tango in Paris. And... Like, so, and, like, yeah, like, this movie should not be that much of a surprise to him. But, whatever. Well, I mean, part of it is the embarrassment of going to see a movie with your 18-year-old girlfriend and having to sit through porn. When you'll have to do the leave room for Jesus thing, always. Yeah. Yeah. End up getting some smoochies on, but Faith interrupts them, and Faith is looking evil but also very good in her leather yeah i'm noticing she's getting more leathery and i don't mean her skin because she's lovely leathery in her dress style when she goes evil which is such a buffy angel first sort of if you're evil you wear more leather yeah (laughs) and i always like the line i'm just keeping her warm for you because of the puppy so good yes and they go patrolling and we get introduced to skylar a horned Sisters. demon named Skylar. <laughs> yeah, work. Um, um, and I, this is one of the first kind of... He's not a benign demon, but he kind of is. He's like... I yeah, we get our... He's not evil in a demon-y way. He is distasteful in a very human way. <laughs> he's a scumbag. We get our, we get our first hints of, of, I imagine, what they'll do with Clem. Yeah. Down the road. Yeah. Which is, I think, nice for the show. I mean, that... you know, Faith says, demon's a demon. But as we, of course, will learn later, and particularly on Angel, not so much. Yeah. Now, this guy reminds me a lot of, like, the prototypical version of Merle, who is not, mm-hmm. like, a great guy. But, you know, he's okay, and he doesn't really do anything. And, I mean, this guy just seems to want to get money so that he can get out of town because he's afraid of the mayor. You know, if everybody else knew what the mayor was doing, unless they're the Scoobies, they'd want to get out of town. So it's like he's a right. pretty good guy. And I think this is an interesting episode to put that in. Yeah, I mean, his motivations are totally reasonable. Even if he is a scumbag. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's not such a scumbag that he's not just going to knock somebody over the head and steal their car. Like, yeah. Legitly. And I mean, he's asking for $5,000, but $5,000 isn't unreasonable for some really ancient books later when we get into him when even he's making though, a... Yeah, even though Cupper has some checking and boxing. <laughs> Supply and demand. Yeah. He has yeah. the books of Ascension. And I'm sure Giles actually has five large sitting around somewhere that he could use. And so. he's going to the slayers about it. He's not going to the mayor who you know the mayor would pay for it and make the taxpayer pay for it. Yeah. Prick. These books have come into town and gotten into his possession. I kind of wonder if the mayor was bringing them into town and this guy, like, intercepted them somehow and is, like... Yeah, I was wondering that, because otherwise he's... The mayor's leaving a lot to chance, because he's yeah. already done his immortality thing. Why are you putting this off? A lot of procrastination there. But that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Well, I think this is actually one of my big complaints about this episode, is that... For as much as I joke about this being exposition, the episode, 
a lot of stuff is not explained in this episode. A lot of stuff just sort of happens, and you just kind of have to accept it. It's like there's all of these lies on, on top of lies and plans on top of plans mm-hmm. and plans yeah. inside of things, like inception of plans. And... <laughs> Which also left a lot un- unexplained. So. Exactly. <laughs> I, I really it. love this episode, FYI. <laughs> so... But uh, we go to the opening credits, and then we have the mayor and Faith together, and we're really cementing the mayor as a father figure to Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, it gave me such dad feels. My dad has had said crap like that to me. He's just like, okay, granted, Faith's hair's not really in her face because it's TV and you're not going to put hair in someone's face. But my dad was like, you know, all that hair in your face, you can't use a ponytail, put it up nice. And I'm like, oh, my God, the mayor's like an evil version of my dad. (laughs) Maybe that's why I like him so much. My dad was like the furthest thing from evil. But like the whole put your hair back and there's nothing uncool about healthy teeth and bones. (laughs) Okay, my dad wasn't that bad. Um. (laughs) But it was a very much a dad feel, so I I kind of really appreciated that. But he does threaten her subtly with the mention of trick. It's not that subtle. Yeah. No, it's not subtle. It's it's, it's pretty direct, actually. It's like replacing him was hard. I'd hate to have to do that with you. But this is only the second episode where they've been working together. So oh, yeah. we will definitely see over the course of the season that while he's just kind of starting to be fatherly here. By the end of the season, he absolutely means it. Like, it's not a put-on to him. So oh, by, the end, by the end of this episode, I think it's real for him. The gang has now found out about, that the books of Ascension are a thing. And are talking about <clears throat> what is exactly Ascension. And we've talked before about Willow's growth in magic. And how we think Giles okay. needs to like do some actual protection of her in terms of the magic she's doing, and here we find out that he's actually doing that, it's just Willow doesn't fucking respect he's, it. He's just doing a really <laughs> bad job of it. <laughs> what he should be doing is talking to her about proper training instead of just locking up the books, because the first thing a kid does is be like, oh, you don't want me to see that? I'm gonna see it. She's like, I'm Hermione, I'm gonna sneak into the restricted section. But at least he is making some effort to lock up the books. When it comes to Willow and magic and her thinking that she is ready for certain things, I'm not giving her any leeway on things. Like, if Giles is locking those up, she should not be accessing them. Even if it wasn't just magic, if it was Giles' personal shit, she should stay out of it. You stay out of people's personal shit that they've locked up and said, this is my personal shit, don't go in there. That is true. As a 30-year-old, I agree. As a 16-year-old, I did not (laughs) <laughs> and actually, I don't. Remember, I, I think she says she just he just keeps it way up top on top of the bookshelf. She doesn't because have it Willow's off. Willow's so small that he thinks that she won't be able to reach. Right. Willow's She's too young to understand ladder technology. True. <laughs> now I'm just kind of picturing like Oz giving Willow a boost, like her sitting on his shoulders together. <laughs> I really like the very good 
direction slash writing when they're like, where are we going to get $5,000? And then Cordelia just walks in. Or who, yes. <laughs> who has $5,000? And Cordelia comes in. And I know she's like 18 and Wesley is indeterminate late 20s, oh. early 30s, but I kind of find her pursuing him really cute. Oh, she is so transparent. It is just hilarious. And it becomes really obvious that Wesley does not have much experience with being around yeah. or dating the ladies, you know? No. Yeah, he's been a watcher. Yeah, he's pretty cloistered, yeah. yeah. Honestly, my real problem with this whole what will be a continuing thing with Wesley and Cordelia is they made a big deal of it being inappropriate, but then it's just going to keep going, even though they settled that right out of the gate. Well... See, they made a big... The The problem I have with it is people keep on calling it jailbait, but how is this any worse than uh, Buffy and Angel? Yeah, well... Oh, well legitimately but, not. Yeah. Cordelia is actually 18, and mm-hmm. Wesley is younger than Angel, not just well, in yeah. terms of, you know, obviously Angel's like 200-something years old, but I would believe Wesley being 26. We, I know yeah. we've talked about how old Wesley is right yeah. now, but... No, I, I don't disagree with you. What, what I did... My, my, my point is, it, it's bad writing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's bad thesis, basically, because they, they, they make the joke about jailbait, they make all that, but in the, at the end of the day, don't really care the same way they don't really care that Buffy is... Right. Well, was, what, 16 when she meets him, and... He's, you know, like the creeper factor in the writing of Buffy is there from the beginning. So why would they make even a big deal out of it when it's Cordy? And I mean, they'll joke about it, but they don't really care. They're they're playing the long arc joke. Again, I think I said this last week. It's like they will just ignore like anything about good writing or or intelligent thought for the sake of a joke. Mm -hmm. And this is just an incredibly long setup for a joke. Yeah. I have an English paper to write. Your English. <laughs> I work best in restaurants. <laughs> so they decide they're going to find out more about this demon in the Books of Ascension, but Faith beats them to the punch by somehow finding out where the demon is first. Uh, the demon Skylar. I want to keep mentioning his name because I love that there's a demon named Skylar. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it too. It yeah. sounds like a California surfer name. Yeah. Um, I, and I think it is really interesting and subtle. Yeah, subtle, subtle. But within the acting and writing, they do set up this Skylar dude as harmless. Yes. Not harmless, but like, you know, again, kind of like who you said, the guy in the angel, Merle, Merle right? Weasley, but not trying to take over the world. He's not killing people as far as we know. He's just going about his demony business. And I think it's it's set up really well here with the small amount of time this actor has on screen, the way he plays it, the way Petrie writes it. Because then when Faith does kill him, it feels like she's done something wrong, even though it's a demon and not a human. So I think that was actually pretty genius. And the way they direct it, it's it doesn't feel like it feels when a slayer does her job when she's slaying. It feels like murder. Yeah. Yeah. The only it's... time he starts to act demony where you start to hear the growling and stuff is when Faith has already yeah. stabbed him. Yeah. So he is defending himself. He is doing what 
I would say is in his right to do. Like, yeah. if somebody's stabbing you, you're not just supposed to stay there and take it, you're supposed to fight back. So, I mean, Demon can use his demon stuff to stop some woman from stabbing him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it works well, writing, directing, acting of the whole thing. It, it works to show, you know, and it also sets up that angel premise for the spinoff exactly. about the demons that are not all bad or not all good and, you know, our Merles and our Lorns, of course. Mm-hmm. I also I, I noticed that like at some point I think I think it's while they're in the library just before this I think Wesley goes where is Faith anyway when has Faith ever come to these Slayer meetings Wesley it's your job to know why are you asking that yeah, question well, well that too but it's like but she's never there I mean they, they they always shut her out or or not invite her after Faith kills Skylar she goes to Angel with her hands covered in blood and this is one of the things that I the the problems I have with this episode like they set it up that she is upset and she does seem legitimately upset Mm -hmm. but then they play it like Faith is trying to set Angel up to lose his soul and Mm -hmm. it it, it just it doesn't flow naturally for me it plays odd it it, and it and and this and the thing and this is something that will actually like contrast with later uh, when Buffy and Faith go to uh, Skylar's apartment, because Faith is so bad at subterfuge there. She is like, I mean, basically everything about her, everything she says, every all her body language screams, I'm the guy who killed him. And, but here, she's like actually playing it well. So this like this dichotomy of her, her ability to put on that kind of performance is completely random. I'm going to defend it slightly. It's not completely logical, but I can see from a filmmaking standpoint how they're trying to make it so we don't figure this out at first. Mm-hmm. Is Faith really coming to Angel? Is it? So there is that sort of element of surprise later on. So mm-hmm. again, I think this episode's really tight. I guess I'm mm-hmm. sometimes able over to look things because I find it exciting and I think I love the player playing the player playing the player aspect of it and i'm not like 100 percent disagreeing with y'all i'm not mm-hmm. but i yeah. i find it interesting in terms of the layers in terms of the, the storytelling aspect of it and maybe not the internal logic of it i think maybe it's not so much the faith visiting angel scene that i have a problem with it's actually a very good scene it's the next scene where the mayor is with faith they, they imply that this was the mayor's plan to turn mm-hmm. angelus yeah. over to his side I think it might have played a little bit better if Faith was really hurt by the fact that Angel had turned her down and then the mayor is like, I'm going to give my little girl what she wants. And then that's where the plan comes from. Because it kind of makes sense for Faith to get very upset by rejection and the mayor to want to give her what she wants. As opposed to this where it's like, I don't understand where everybody's plans are. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And I have to say, though, this scene has one of my favorite lines in the entire series, though. It's like, there's more than one way to skin a cat, and I know this to be factually true. <laughs> true. <laughs> Back to that, though, I feel like Faith is, in her tough girl way, not wanting to admit mm-hmm. it, is actually hurt by Angel's rejection. Yes, she's doing it because they're under the mistaken assumption that fucking someone makes him lose his soul. So she's trying to seduce him with her vulnerability and her angst and all that stuff. And is legitimately in her twenties. she can't get him 
to give into that because I think she wants Angel. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that she's not hurt. I'm just saying that her initial motivation going in there, I would have preferred it if if, if it hadn't have been the mayor's plan because also the mayor's plan just kind of comes out of nowhere. There was there was just something in there missing where like maybe the mayor questioning, you know, why'd you go to Angel and then Faith trying to like play up. It's like, um, uh, well, I wanted to turn him evil. Well, the mayor is talking with Faith, and he says that, you know, we're gonna do things differently, because, you know, fucking is not the only way to get Angel to lose his soul. Then we get to uh, the Watchers researching, and Buffy coming in, and one of the best, but also out-of-nowhere lines, and that's the girl yes. makes Godot look punctual, which I think is a yes. fantastic line, but I'm like... It is a fantastic line. <laughs> but also, it's but, like, Buffy, really? Totally out of left field. I do not think Sunnydale High's, their their curriculum is that good. <laughs> Maybe the drama department did it, and they all had to go see it. I don't know. Because I wouldn't teach Godot in high school. It's oh, too... First of all, you need to actually see it or hear it read to really kind of get that absurdist quality. You know, it's 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 a dense play. It's my favorite play of all time, but I still really love the line. It's, it's also I do. I love it's also line. a too uh, small of a cast for a high school to do. Yes. Yeah. No. You need. Yeah. For high school, you need a, a, a chorus. Well, That's I don't know. I do recommend seeing it in, in Dublin in like a fifty seat theater, though. It's great that way. It's amazing. It's I've seen it here locally at a really, really good theater that is about a 70s theater, and it's it's brilliant. I can't. Anyway, enough about the dough. Well, yes. What, one of my favorite things about this episode is Giles being upset about demons not being demony enough. Yes. It's so Giles. One of my favorite things about that at this episode is Buffy's freaking outfit with the navy and the pink thing. Oh, no. It, it is nice. stunning. That is one of my, if not my favorite the Buffy outfits. The one that's not outfits. quite, quite breaky-entry enough. <laughs> right, it's not breaky-entry enough, but I I go nuts over that outfit every time. I love it so. I want to wear that tomorrow. It's so pretty, and Sarah's hair is perfect, and it's like peak Sarah right here for me. The Giles not... Uh, being upset about demons not being demon-y, yeah. It's a really well-crafted joke throughout this episode because they hit the note twice, and then at the end we have the punchline, which we will get to later because I love that bit too. But the Slayers are sent out to go get the Books of Ascension from the demon, and (laughs) surprise, surprise, the demon's dead, which we already know. And as we already (laughs) said, Faith is pretty bad at lying. Considering yeah. she says later that she's the world's best actor. Second best. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Though, I mean, Buffy keeps on saying how it looks like the person who killed the demon had fun. That fight scene didn't actually look fun for Faith. No. No, it didn't. Is she implying that like Faith stayed behind and like mutilated him? I mean, possibly. I mean, I don't know. But she, she did say whoever did this like had a party. And that's not what we saw. This wasn't like a cold-blooded murder. Like, they were fighting with each other. Although, Faith did have to, like, go back and stab him some more. So maybe it just looks like an extreme from from the, the remains. 
Um, I mean, we, we saw the actual action, which knows? definitely is not played for fun, as as being fun for Faye. But it's possible that just the what they what Buffy sees is an extreme killing. I guess maybe that calls into question the actual timeline of the episode. Has the mayor contacted? I can't actually remember the punchline's name, but um, uh, if he's just if called sorcerer, had, sorcerer, great. <clears throat> if because if he had, then would the scoops not already be aware of Faith's duplicity? That's the very next scene that the mayor is meeting mm-hmm. with the sorcerers. So we don't know. I assume that Giles finds out and Buffy would find out after the mayor meets mm-hmm. with them. So that's my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and well, we let's talk just briefly about the mayor meeting with the sorcerer, which I think is a really great scene because we, for as evil and horrible as the mayor is and all of the stuff we see the mayor do, we don't get to see him interact with a lot of demons that are not Mr. Trick. And mm-hmm. Mr. Trick is certainly not your typical demon. Meanwhile, this sorcerer guy who is demonic is so like your typical sorcerer demon guy. Like not, mm-hmm. he's a total straight man. And <laughs> juxtaposing him with the mayor is really great. I love how friendly yeah. the mayor is trying to be while the sorcerer is all business. Although we do we do see a limit of the mayor's powers here. Yes. Even he cannot sell someone on stale diner mints. <laughs> it is just... <laughs> just those things are terrible. I don't care if they're in calories. <laughs> Once the mayor and the sorcerer agree to their deal. Then we get Willow trying to comfort Buffy. And I think she does a good job. I think she does an okay job, yeah. I I, I think that Yeah, I mean she says some really slut shammy shit about Faith and the whole built for that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's language you hear on Buffy from the writers all the time. They they state that they're super feminist and I'm not doubting their Uh, intention, but then they write some dialogue that's really But you know Willow's really assuring and she actually recommends communication instead mm-hmm. of Buffy bottling it up. You know, she says talk to him. Absolutely. So, you know, I not I, that she'll listen. But we'll talk about no, that more in the next episode. Yeah, she 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 does write by her friend. It's a good, you know, and it's always nice to see them together doing the friend thing. Um and then <laughs> Willow's line, which is the um motto of my life. I think you all know what it is, right? Uh, I too know the love of a taciturn man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I blanked there for a second. Yes. My partner is the most taciturn, soft-spoken man in the entire universe. So much so that my co-hosts on this podcast think he doesn't exist, or my mom is paying him to be my boyfriend. (laughs) But it it is sort of my motto. I kind of want to put that on a T-shirt. I too know the love of a taciturn man. If only you knew somebody who designed T-shirts. Yeah, but yeah. Um, only a little you bit somebody design t-shirts with a with a shop that you could all purchase I, those items from. And, and Allie's line of um, "I give you leave to go." <laughs> I just find I just find yes. it's cute. Really, yeah. really, it's a great delivery. And of course, this is yet again just just keeping track. The question of whether or not Angel breathes comes up again. <laughs> <laughs> I, we're never gonna. We're never gonna figure that out. No. no. Then I guess it must be sometime after that scene that Buffy finds out about the sorcerer 
because Buffy's still very upset about the whole Angel thing. And But then the next scene is Faith taking Angel's soul, so everything must be in place by that. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe she went and talked to Angel and did take up Willow's advice, uh, and they had a little bit of a talk, and then they worked out this plan. <clears throat> but I don't know, because we didn't see it. Because so yeah. much of this episode is actually stuff that we don't get to see. Faith comes to see Angel and, well, takes his soul. You know, there's a light show going on. Yeah, heavy quotation marks. I I, I actually had a funny thought. I was like, I mean, spoiler, we we know that this is all an act. And we will learn that. Um, We might guess it immediately, and we will learn it by the end of the episode. If it wasn't an act, could, since, like, this somehow seems to involve Faith tossing blood on Angel. Could he have just avoided losing his soul by taking off his shirt? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, yes, please. I have been okay with that. Because I forget how attractive season two and three David Boreanaz is. I am wondering if this guy is connected to the later shaman, I think they call him, in mm-hmm. Solus, who does actually take Angel's soul. Because actually they do look very similar in the way they're the way they're dressed. And the way the actual spell goes, kind of very very similar. Of course this is a light show and everything. Right. But I always like to think about stuff like that because I love thinking about season four of Angel. Because right. I love season four of Angel. I think it would make sense if that they're like the same order or something. Yeah. yeah. If that had truly been Angelus, Faith would be dead. Oh yeah. Like they wouldn't be having, and I have to say, I'm going to say it several times during this episode, David Boreanaz playing Angel, oh. playing Angelus, playing, oh, he's brilliant. He is like, very because good. Because he he's really good all the Angelus stuff and you kind of go, what's happening? But it's, it's a parody it's, of it, Angelus. It is a parody of Angelus, but uh, th- but the mayor and uh, Faith have never met Angelus, so yeah. they don't know that he's going to be as accommodating and reasonable as, you know what I mean? Like, when in actuality, Faith would be freaking dead and he would have been torturing Buffy again. Um, it reminds but, uh, me it- of, oh, the season one episode of Angel, which the name escapes me. Uh, maybe Eternity? Uh, the where With the actress who ends up slipping oh, Angel in the yes. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, basically gives Angel ecstasy, and so he loses inhibitions. And so the way Angelus, or quote-unquote Angelus, is acting in this is very much like that because it's still Angel, but it's Angel kind of with like a little Angelus twist to it. David Boreanaz is phenomenal in this episode. He is, is what I'm. He is phenomenal. So... After Angelus is back, then we move to Wesley talking to the Scoobs about what the plan is. And we get a nickname for Cordelia that only ever happens this once. And that's Xander calling her Cece. Which, if I remember correctly, is actually Charisma's nickname. Oh. I mean, it works for both of them. It does. Hey, that's cute. cute. When she and I are hanging out next time, I'll call her Cece. It's kind of like when I call Queen Latifah Dana when we go out to lunch because she just trusts me enough to not have to use Latifah. Uh, These are all things that happened in my mind, okay? (laughs) Here's the thing, though. For a second, I was, like, legitimately not questioning it. 
because of MC's and David's and honestly your just general existence and the the shit y'all drop and I'm like oh yeah that's yeah my life's like that too (laughs) (laughs) oh yes go see go see Waiting for Godot in a 15 person theater in Dublin yeah I'll do that I'll get right on that (laughs) I saw it in a tiny theater in Albuquerque I got nothing to say about Dublin (laughs) but we see Oz actually in this episode because he hasn't turned up now Yay! and apparently seth green has finished filming austin powers because his hair is blonde again i like the blonde hair but also i can see why seth decided to leave because even though he's in this episode besides making that one leap to get them where they need to go he does nothing and that line could have been passed off to someone else as easily i was actually thinking that very thing when they had him sitting in that chair and you can he's kind of got that far away look which in earshot you'll see like him with all of his thoughts since they actually made it like you know Oz is just a really intense thinker but he is just sitting there like getting a paycheck and I'm like oh Seth I feel really bad for you know having anything to do other than saying it's like hey let's go check out the Hall of Records. It's a smart plan. It is a smart plan but yes we understand Seth leaving and Faith brings her new boyfriend home to her dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's entirely what this scene yeah. is. Yep. It is. It is. It's also a really good lead into Angel, the series, because Angel is sort of having to learn some skills about detectiving and, and subterfuge and kind of playing a different role, you know, instead of just this like mopey angel. So I thought it was a good, I think they're doing well with leading towards that spinoff and, sort of having Angel do more things in different things. So I like that, too. Definitely, And yeah. have her home by 11. Yes. Yeah, the dad <laughs> is strong in us. And Although usually you bring your boyfriend home for the first time, he doesn't try to stab your dad, his, your dad through the chest. Yeah, <laughs> but they, you know, Angel, Angelus is evil, and the mayor, you know, respected him for it. Because mm-hmm. he's a good shot. And now we know, exposition, that the mayor can't be hurt like that. Well, I mean, we, well, we already knew the that. The audience knew that. We knew that. The did they know that? Did. The scoops no. did not know. They now know that. Now we get to the point in the episode where we get it. It's just a very quick thing that probably they could have cut out, but I'm so glad they didn't because Xander gets punched in the face. Yes, yes my note reads, and Angel <laughs> finally does what we've all wanted to do to Xander at one point or another. So <laughs> I have to say. And I think especially Angel's like, nope, I know this is subterfuge, but oh, I love man, his I've line. Yeah. I love his line. The guy just bugs me. That was actually Angel talking. That was <laughs> Angel. Oh, that was 100% Angel talking. <laughs> yeah. Xander doesn't really bug me that much in this episode. No, no. We're, we've got 20 bucks to bribe Willie. Hey, but it was 28. 28. It was 28. I wasn't sure if he said 20 or 28. But okay, what? Xander doesn't kind of strike me the guy as the kind of guy who would have twenty eight bucks on him. It was probably his comic book money for the month. Oh, now now I'm really depressed for him. Buffy takes place on Tuesdays. It's like almost always Tuesday when Buffy episodes oh happen, and that's <laughs> oh my gosh, it was his comic book money. Now I find Xander really heroic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm in, I'm impressed. That's that's dedication. Christine Sutherland earning her paycheck with a very oh. quick scene. <laughs> And that is actually coming from Angel, not Angelus. Obviously, he's not pretending to like Joyce's hair, right? I think, I think it's just a compliment made yeah. smarmy by his, you know, he's yeah. trying to play off faith, so to fit. But in actuality, Angel's like, oh, Joyce, your hair looks really good. 
he he's got to do some sucking up to Joyce because I mean I think like the whole idea of like Angel and Buffy dating probably still isn't really thrilling to Joyce. It's a sweet line though once you know what's happening later. Yeah, because you realize he wasn't actually being. You know, he was actually honestly just complimenting Joyce's hair and sucking up a bit. Angel and Faith take Buffy to the mansion. because It's like, oh, we've got the books of Ascension. But no, they don't. And Angel knocks out Buffy. And we get a very creepy line about Angel thinking Buffy's really cute when she's sleeping. Which I know he's saying it as <laughs> Angelus, but you know also Angel means it. Yeah. Because he's yeah. watched her sleep before. I'm pretty sure Edward Cullen watched Buffy and just took notes <laughs> about how to date. See, what I want to know is, they say, we should go. To, we came to get you because to go to the mansion to bring the books to Giles because there's safety in numbers. But in the meantime, you left the, the books, books alone. Alone with no one guarding them. I, <sighs> I guess there's a lot we can forgive because we know that like a lot of this is an act. <laughs> yeah, but... Like, gang breaks into the Hall of Records and we find out for the first time that Mayor Wilkins has been around for a very long time. And we've debated in previous episodes whether or not there were mayors in the interim or if he was just the mayor the entire time. I mean, even if there were mayors in the interim, it's still super sketchy that nobody realized that it was the same person until now. <laughs> I mean, that's just funny now. I still think it's one of those cases of someone else is the mayor, even though Wilkins is still controlling them and he comes back as, own, as his own mm. kid. As a point of reality, and I know that that's, you know, crazy talk, but it's like them going, it's like, yes, this is the same guy. That's a really sketchy assumption. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at, like, all of, like, the Keanu Reeves is immortal because of all of, like, the paintings that look like Keanu Reeves or whatever. So, <laughs> I, it sort of reminds me of it's the episode rose right on doctor who yes where the guy has oh, yeah, all yeah. the collection of the pictures right. of right. christopher eccleson's doctor and he's like it's the same man or at least it's you know so it's got that kind of feeling to me yeah right. and we know that russell t davies was a big buffy fan anybody who's lived in small all town america knows that you're gonna have the same mayor probably for your entire lifetime because people don't really care so it, it it wouldn't surprise me at all if people were like, yeah, he was the mayor during my entire lifetime. How long was that? A hundred years? Seems about right. What's that thing in, in Stephen King? Thinnies? Is that what they're called? Like weird thin places in between the fabric of universes? Oh, I think that's what being okay. a mayor is. <laughs> just mm -hmm. existing in that weird liminal space. Okay, so I just looked it up. As I've said previously, I have my hometown is pretty similar in size to Sunnydale. I have had the same mayor in my town for almost the entire time I've lived here, like 20-odd years. 28 years, actually, because we moved in 1990. I think there was like a brief period where she was not the mayor, and just this year she stopped being the mayor again because she's now the regional chair. So it's like, it's not unreasonable for the mayor to be the mayor, like, the entire time and for people to just, like, not realize, like, yeah. And it's Sunnydale, so. And he built this town for demons to feed on. He built this city. I'm glad somebody I, I else went there. I was just going to ask if he did, in fact, build it on rock and roll. It was, uh... <laughs> but Love it. 
this scene where Xander comes in and he's acting like in other episodes, I would call Xander an ass the way he was acting here. But actually, everything he's saying, he's pretty justified in saying. Like, because I mean, he's not being mean to Angel for the sake of being mean to Angel. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's the same thing he always says. It's just this time he has a reason. Yeah. (laughs) But I think like the biggest thing that he's getting upset about is the fact that Faith is the one to quote unquote turn Angelus. So yeah, him lashing out at Wesley makes a lot of sense. So like, and he's, and he's right. Yeah. And his lash out, he, he is responsible for Faith. Like, he should have been, like, that, you know, David brings up, she's never invited to the meetings. Why would he think she's here now? Because he's not, now, Wesley is doing things like working with the rest of them and actually trusting Giles and and sort of having his mind turned towards that way, but he doesn't give a shit about Faith. Well, no one does. I mean, nobody just, I mean, that's the whole, that's her whole arc. Which we can get into in the next scene where we have Buffy in chains and this turns into exposition the episode because this Yeah. It does, but the acting is so masterful. The acting all of them that I'm sort of like just caught up in it and I think it's a really cool way to deliver the exposition for me. I think we approach the episode from two different perspectives, which might be why we have different opinions on it. Since I am so story-driven and you are more actor-driven, I can understand that they do great performances, but it's just so solidly, like, here is all of the evil planning that's going on. I kind of expect Faith to have a mustache that she should twirl. True, true. (laughs) But I I just thought it was a, a fun and interesting way to deliver that exposition without me being bored by it. Yeah, no, I mean, Eliza does a really great job, and it does mm-hmm. add some layers to the character. Like, we do find out more about her history, because we knew her mother was dead. We didn't know her mother was an alcoholic who, you know, mistreated her. And wouldn't give her a puppy. Yeah. I did, I, and the writers know that all this exposition needs to come into this. So yeah. I think they have a clever and fun way of doing that. Because at this point, I remember watching these episodes for the first time being like, what the fuck is happening? And being, I mean, not that scared for Buffy because her name's on the show, but like being kind of taken in by all this because I'm a sucker. <laughs> and so I just, I don't know. For me, I found it to be a way to get the exposition out there mm-hmm. without me being super bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I kind of fall in between the two stools of you guys, it's where it's like, I mean, I totally understand the story perspective and it's like, oh God, all this exposition. And I understand, I get the, like, it's really well acted. But the thing about exposition is sometimes you just have to do it. Well, yes. I think this was just, I, I don't know how they could have done it better. It's it's just a lot of exposition. It's setting it up is. that faith has and turned think- evil. It's setting up the whole Ascension thing and considering how many throwaway episodes they've had. I mean, not throwaway episodes in that they're bad episodes, but episodes that don't really contribute to the arc. They could have peppered things in. They they do that very well, but they could have just done it a little bit better during this section, because I find from bad girls up until about consequences that there's a bit of unevenness. No, I think think it is absolutely... I think for the corner they've painted themselves into, 
this is as good a way to do it as they could manage. But it is a pacing problem. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I totally agree with that, MC, that they're bad girls and consequences. I'm just sort of like, whoa. Like, yeah. I realized how much I don't like those episodes oh, for those I very reasons. I so, don't mean yeah. consequences. I meant choices. Um, kind of that block of episodes where we kind of go from right. faith being evil up until, like, right before the ascension. There, okay. there's, a, there's a little bit of unevenness where, you know, they'll, they'll do, like, a, a fun doppelgangland. And I know it's not a fun episode, but Earshot, which doesn't really mm-hmm. deal with the main plot line you'll deal you'll have these one shots and then you'll have these episodes where they really like top load up yeah with exposition yeah no, oh, like no I, I definitely it's the pacing if they they didn't they didn't pace the arc well and and as i say i think they painted themselves into a corner and, and yeah, no, point, I, yeah. they were forced to do it this way yeah I, I think it's an interesting way that they did it in this particular episode but yeah it is a little tone shifty and not quite cohesive through this back half of the season through choices. Um, I, man, Eliza is so good in this scene. Eliza and that really kiss great. at the end, that fluffy kiss. Okay. We, of, we will. Right now. That faith is, faith is quite prescient about the Ascension though. She, there are a couple of things she gets absolutely right. I they know. Don't right? Stop, they do not stop the Ascension. The Ascension happens. Yeah. They eventually blow the mayor up, but, it happens. They do not stop it, and he doesn't have hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I am a little surprised that the mayor told her so much about the ascension. I thought the mayor would have kept her in the dark about. Yeah, but you know, the mayor trusts her, thinks of her in a very daughterly way. So I'll just accept it. I do like as while well, I have expressed some frustration at things in this episode. The moment where Faith finds out that Angel's been acting the entire time is so well done. Like, the acting, the directing, I do have to giggle a little bit about Angel making himself the best actor because we've made comments (laughs) about David Boreanaz in the past, though he's very good in this episode. No, by this point, he's gotten very good. Yeah, but that when just that slow motion turn mm-hmm. of faith and you can see the look mm-hmm. on her face when she realized what's going on. It's very well done. I have to admit, I don't love the slow motion only because they almost never use it in Buffy. So it just like, it's really jarring. Oh, that's the reason why I don't mind it because they do use it so sparingly. And this is a moment where it's really important for them to do it because it's important for them to do something. Yeah, it's, it's just this for me. This is so far outside the usual style that it takes me out of the episode. Fair enough, but we get a little bit of fightiness, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's fighty. But then the important bit of both the slayers, light and dark, with the knives against each other's throats, and I love it. I love it. I love the ho yeah, fo yeah, fo yeah, fo yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. both ho yeah. Because it's homoerotic subtext and foe, yeah, because they're foes now. So, mm-hmm. and just the moment is really nice. The faith saying that if Buffy kills her, then she becomes her, which yeah, you know, is is fair enough. And the kiss, the yeah. kiss, yeah. Apparently, I read about this online. Uh, I don't know if it's true because not everything you read on the internet is true. Apparently, faith no. Is- <laughs> 
I know, right? But apparently Faith was originally supposed to kiss Buffy on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish we did video because Logan's face. <laughs> Could have had it all. <laughs> yeah, no, I would have lived for that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Though this episode really does kind of um, point to um, Faith's, well, I mean, I guess we already knew about Faith's problems with consent, but, like, she wanted to get with Angel, and so she had to take his soul away using black magic. As you do. As you do. (laughs) And then this, you know, non-consensual kiss with Buffy, and we know that later on it's going to just keep getting worse, so... Damn, Faith, you make it really hard to like you sometimes. But also, I still like you because that kiss scene is iconic. Would have been more iconic. Or sure. on the lips. But I do, I do, I, I do really love the you know the thing about how you know Faith says like if you kill me, it's like you become me because you just it basically it it, it just shows how little it takes for one to go one way or the other. Yeah. So, after Faith runs out, we get to the library. We get the punchline of Giles having yes. a problem with demons not being demony enough. And that's, <laughs> they knew about everything that was going on with Faith because the demon sorcerer was introduced to his wife by Giles. Question about this. Is the wife human or a demon? No idea. I mean, I know it's not something that we know, but, like, did Giles introduce this demon to a watcher? Did Giles introduce this demon to another demon contact he had? Fanfic writers, please do something well, about this. Was also, the demon the... at? Does it, was that the first demon they tried to summon before I got? And and he was actually pretty benign, and so Giles introduced him to one of his clubby friends. <laughs> also, also, there's the question of whether or not this guy is actually a demon, because he's I mean, blue, he may just he? Be, huh? He's blue, isn't he? I don't. His eyes light up. Yeah, but this this may just be a human using like eldritch powers, and it has it has changed him in some ways. Doesn't actually make him a demon, but he has connections to mystical forces. Fair enough. I've always thought he it's was a great a joke. It's all though. unclear. It's all unclear. But, it's a great yeah. joke. It's one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Where you know it's yeah. like I introduced him to his wife. Hmm. And it's the perfect way to, like, end the storyline with the Scoobs. And then we get a quick scene of Faith and the mayor. And this scene is just... The thing that makes this scene was not even intentional. And that's Faith laughing, which is so fucking beautiful. But apparently it it was... Eliza was just laughing at Harry Grainer's expression. Yeah. (laughs) I would be too. I would. Yeah. And the reason it works so well is that it functions as essentially the capper on what's been going on. It's like this is the end of her relationship with the Scoobies. Yes. That that laugh is her fine, and and any guilt that she's had, and she's had some conflict a little bit here and there. This is the end of that. This is the break. Yeah. And that laugh is. That's the break. Yeah, and I think the reason why it works so well is because since it was Eliza's actual laugh, laughing on cue is super hard. 
And I think that if it had actually been scripted, it would not have sounded so genuine and loving. Because I'm sh- Harry Granter seems to be like a really like nice guy, so I'm sure he and Eliza got along really well. So this, you know, who's up for mini golf? And then his just ridiculous smile, yeah. her laughing like that, just kind of pushes the whole fatherly relationship. And, and it's not full-on Jimmy Fallon corpsing during a scene laughing. Like, it's <laughs> oh, a no, natural, no, no. it's a natural small laugh. And and sometimes in, in acting, those real emotional responses are what makes scenes better because you're playing off the actions of another character. So Faith laughing is very natural for Faith to do in this situation. And it's also, yeah, and plus Eliza's smile and laugh is great. <laughs> and it's the kind of you're so ridiculous, but I'm very fond of you laugh that as David was saying, does such a, uh, it's a good way to cement her relationship with the mayor and fully sever her relationship with, with the scoops. And to end up the episode, we get a quick scene of Buffy and Angel and dealing with the fallout of Angel kissing on faith and pretending to be evil. And okay. It's, it's drama. It for sure is, but Buffy doesn't say, I'm breaking up with you. She says, I need a little bit of a break and not in the friend's way. Uh, <laughs> we're on a break. <laughs> but in hey, it was the 90s. But she says it. She says what she needs. Besides, uh, you're still my girl. And she says, yeah, I am. I know. I know. Uh, but Are you still my girl? Always. As, of course, we will find out this is utter horseshit. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes you say things when you're... But she's trying to be honest about what she needs. And that is a break. She doesn't say, I don't ever want to see you again. She says, I need to cool down and get my head right about this. And they do get back together because they were never broken up, right? Yeah. Uh, Um, We'll talk more about their relationship in Earshot because they... Their relationship is kind of dealt. It's kind of left hanging and it'll be picked up again in that episode, which is going to be the next one. So... Yeah, I mean, she said, I need a break, and she got her break. And she was emotionally open, which is, and talked, which is what Willow told her to do. So I don't see it, I actually kind of see it as a positive for Buffy. I I mean, I I, I don't have a real problem with it, other than the fact that I'm bored of Buffy and Angel. Well, yeah. (laughs) Truth, but yeah. Just when they start getting really mature with each other? Great. (laughs) Yella finally the relationship status, or as healthy as you can get, and we're really tired of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that brings us to the end of this episode. So, uh, final thoughts? Logan. I wish they had uh, kept that that bit from Wesley that they cut. The, you never thought I had the funny in me or whatever. <laughs> I think I missed that. Which... Oh, uh, there's a, a, a cut scene where Wesley's talking about, he said, um, hold on, I've got it in the notes. Uh, you failed in last night's mission because you lacked faith. If you had simply lacked faith... A pun from me. Well, you never thought I had the funny in me, eh? <laughs> and you know what? Nerd. We were right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm mad that Alexis totally does. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm mad that they cut out the faith kissing puppy on the lips. Yes, if that were only. But legitimately, <laughs> this is an episode I never skip just because. It's uh, I, yeah, I don't. Um, Again, because of what they had done with themselves by not utilizing their time correctly, as my teachers used to tell me, I I think they managed to get the essence of what they needed to get done in a way that allowed the actors to sort of stretch 
their legs a bit and, and, and try some, not new things, but some fun things at the very mm-hmm. least. So, yeah. Also, in addition to, I mean, there is a lot of exposition, but there's also just a lot of good stuff yeah. in this episode. I mean, like, the, the, the conversation between Willow and Buffy about Angel, uh, the interaction between Wesley and Giles, the joke about introducing the sorcerer to his wife, which is silly, but it's a good joke. <laughs> you know, and, and there's a lot of stuff like that surrounding all the exposition. And so I think that really kind of makes it work despite having to shoehorn in all that info dump. Mm. I I legit still love this episode. I, I mean, it's not on my top 10 of all time, but I, yeah, and, and MC's right. I do sometimes look at these like acting choices and, and things like that. And I just, it's such a great showcase for all of them. Except yeah. for poor for, Seth. For Harry, except for poor Seth, but Harry, Seth. Harry, Harry Groener's great. Harry Groener's great. Nikki even has his moment there. Other than I Seth, think, everybody. Other than gets Seth, time. everybody sort of has, you know, their little moment. Willow is Willow, but she's has great lines, and and then Eliza, Sarah, and David give really amazing performances and work really well together. And I I find Eliza's performance really powerful about the, you know, you get the mom, you get the friends, you get the watcher and what do I have and breaks my heart faith as usual. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I actually really, really, really like this episode. I think for me, this is one of those episodes that I don't skip this episode when I watch the show. But we've talked before about how our analysis of episodes can actually Mm. kind of ruin an episode that we like because we're looking at things a little too closely, which is just the nature of our beast. That's, you know, what we decided our show's going to be, what I decided the show's going to be. Yeah, you know, I kind of brought it on myself, but I do enjoy this episode. It's just there's some stuff in it where me as a Mm -hmm. writer is like, well, I'm not too sure about this. So... Yeah, I like it, but it's probably not going to hit my top five. Of- yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking I mean, when we were talking about the whole exposition thing, I was specifically thinking, like, you know, if I wasn't <laughs> watching this specifically to analyze and talk about it, that wouldn't have bothered me at all. It would. It, it's done well enough that if I was just watching it for fun, I would let that go by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. So I think that brings us to the end of this episode you know it's it's not the best but it's not the worst it's it's a it's a pretty solid episode so next time we're going to be getting a little controversial with one of the with actually i think what would be defined as buffy's lost episode because of you know it's the first episode that we're going to be reviewing out of airing order because Mm. this was not aired until the summer but we're doing it as it was supposed to. Next week, we'll be reviewing Earshot. So until then, grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, 
liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube, Tumblr, and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at HellmouthReturn, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday. Grr. Arg.